Oh, my goodness. We're talking about doing my part. And we will finish this up next Sunday with the final message on doing my part. As a member of the local body of Christ, to function as a member of that body, as a member of your body functions, to keep the body strong and, and to keep it alive, and coordinating with other members of your body the hand reaches and gets what you want it to grasp, and the feet carry you where you want to go, and the heart provides the blood circulation throughout your body. All of those parts of your body working together that the body may be strong and the body may be healthy and the body may be able to do and to go and to be what your body ought to be. And just like when our human body is invaded by disease or organ begins to fail, it affects the entire body. When the heart doesn't work right and doesn't pump the blood around through the circulatory system, then the whole body feels the results of that. When the lungs do not work properly and and, and breathe in the air, and it passes through the lungs throughout the body to provide oxygen for the body and to get rid of the carbon monoxide, dioxide. <laughs> if that doesn't work properly, then the body is affected. If the kidneys don't work like they're supposed to, the whole body is affected by a malfunctioning kidney. And you know, the whole body can be affected by a, a big toe that doesn't work properly or is painful or has the gout or has been removed. And it takes a while to become able to walk like you should and have the balance that you had before. The big toe is an important part of the body. And the body is every member dependent upon the other members of the body that the body may function as a whole to go where it ought to go, do what it ought to do, reach what it ought to reach, step over what it ought to step over, eat what it ought to have, and all of the things for the functions of the body, it is necessary for the parts to work as they're supposed to. That is what we've been trying to draw from and helping us understand the need for, in the body of Christ, for there to be harmony and unity and members of the body to function as they're supposed to. I believe with all of my being, as the Scripture teaches, that God has placed in the local body of believers parts of that body, people of that body, members of the body, if that helps you understand it better, he has placed you here to function as a part of this body to carry on the work of the ministry of the Dalrida Baptist Church in this community. And together we give so that ministries can be performed even around the world in the name of Christ through the Southern Baptist uh, International Mission Board and around the United States and North America through the North American Mission Board. Our funds go through them, and, and they're channeled to the 
to the work of the missionaries that serve both in North America and around the world, all coming from the body of Christ locally. It is so very important that the members of the body be in unity, that the members of the body function as they should for the betterment of the entire body. And I've not been trying to browbeat you. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I, I, I'm not trying to point anybody out or make anyone feel guilty. I, I'm just following what the Scripture teaches to help us understand what God has said about the body of Christ, the local church, and how it is to function and how every member is important. And one of the things that is absolutely necessary is that there be unity in the body. Unity in the body. When I was just a little cotton-headed boy in Georgia, my dad's father, my grandfather, had a farm. And he still worked that farm. Now, this is probably telling my age more than I want to. But he still worked that farm with a mule pulling a plow. And he walked behind that plow. I tried it, but I was too short to even reach the plow. But my grandfather did that, and my dad's brothers helped him, and he was still farming. And, and he, I'd, get, I'd get in there, and he'd say, come on up here and get the plow, Ricky. Grab, that, grab this, this part right here, and, and you can go with me. And I said, I'm afraid that, that mule's going to kick. He says, no, a pulling mule can't kick. And I thought about that a lot of times, and I've heard through the years that a pulling mule, a pulling horse, can't kick. Because as long as a horse or a mule is doing what they're hitched up to the plow to do or up to the wagon to do, they're pulling and they're concentrating and using their entire body and every muscle, every part of their body to do the work that the mule or the horse is hitched up to do. And so it is with a member of the body of Christ. A pulling member can't kick. A pulling member realizes how important they are to the local work of the, lo or the, work of the local church. That every member, no one is an island, everyone is interdependent upon the other, that we can do the work as the church, the body of Christ. God has laid it out in his word that there is a pastor to lead the church, an under-shepherd, if you would. That there's, there are those that have been called to ministry to serve and to lead the church, to do the ministries and the mission of the church. And so you have a ministerial staff. The word of God has laid it out that there are to be deacons in the church. And the deacons are to minister to the members of the body, to care for them, and to keep them in line and, and to work. And I don't mean by horse whipping them, but, but keep them in line by ministering to them and meeting their needs. And, and, and now some of you smile, it must need, mean you need a horse whipping. I don't know, but that's what I'm talking about is the, the deacons are placed to come along the ministerial, beside the ministerial staff and to do the work of ministry among the members of the body, to keep the body healthy and functioning and to meet those needs of the members. 
There must be unity for all of that to happen. And I'm thankful for the unity of the Dalrida Baptist Church. I'm thankful that we walk in on a, one accord with one another. We walk in love. We walk in, uh, in kindness. We walk in respect one for the other. I, I've been impressed for these 22 and a half years at the respect that is shown among the membership of this church and the love that is shown, the, the kindness that is offered from the members of the church one to another. And that's what keeps us the healthy church that we have been. And that's what will keep us as a healthy church in the days ahead of us. Now today through COVID-19 and, and Omicron and all the other variants of it that may come along, it has hampered our work. It has hampered our togetherness. It has hampered our attendance. And we all understand that. Even those who are watching at home, we understand and you understand what I'm talking about. But through it all, there's been ministry. Through it all, our deacons have ministered. And especially the first six to eight months when we started out with this difficulty of being at home and not here at the church house, Ministerial staff members calling the members and sharing with them, the deacons calling them, the Sunday school teachers calling them, ministering, saying, we're praying for you. Is there anything we can do? And it kept our church healthy even while we were not together in this place. And today, Dalrada Baptist Church is still healthy even though there are those who are not able to come right now and not able to be a part of, of our gathering together and the ongoing ministries here, but some of them are being a part of the ministry through telephone and emails and, and other things and caring one for another. And the Dalrada Baptist Church is a healthy church. I'm very thankful for that. There is a unity but the scripture, I think we fail to see how important unity is as given to us in the word of God. It's not something we need to take for granted. It's not something we can just shrug our shoulders at, well, yeah, we're, uh, we have unity. We have fellowship. We're, uh, nobody's mad. Nobody's talking about the other one. But let me tell you what, it doesn't take but one split second, one little incident for Satan to get a hold of something and rip a church apart if we do not work at staying in unity and walking together and working together. He roams around waiting for the opportunity to try to devour the church, to destroy the work of the church, to destroy the hospitality of the church and the communion of the church, the fellowship of the church. As you read the beginnings of the church in the book of Acts, you quickly understand how important unity was to the early church. And Paul would emphasize that through his writings. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And he encouraged them to walk giving themselves one to another and to minister as members of the local body, and to fulfill their place and their opportunity to be a part of the body, functioning as a member of the body. That is, 
mentioned over and over and over again in Paul's letters to the churches. For you see, division is a terrible, crippling thing and has a terrible effect on the local church. As a matter of fact, Jesus said himself in the gospel according to Matthew in chapter 12, he says, a house divided cannot stand. And so every day it ought to be a part of your prayer life. Every day it ought to be a part of the pastor's prayer life and the staff's prayer life and every member of this church that we pray for unity of the body of Dalrada Baptist Church. That we walk together, that we serve together, that we love one another, that there can be no schisms within our church, that we walk trusting one another, honoring God, loving Him, and doing the work He has placed us here to do. If you study the book of Acts in particular, the first two chapters, you find that unity was so very important in the foundation of the early church. Acts 1.14, for instance, says, These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the Mary and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God of having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord. Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, as Paul's writing, he says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let everyone esteem others better than oneself. Think more of other people than you think of yourself. Think better of the members of the body of Christ at Dalrada than you think of your own self. Concern for the members of the body more than your concern for your own self. And that's how the early church understood they were to be, and what they enjoyed was a unity, a oneness, walking in one accord, fellowshipping together, doing the work of the ministry, leading folks to faith in Christ, and God added to the church daily those who were being saved. It is absolutely critical that we understand we are to walk in unity, and that means doing my part. How do I do my part to walk in unity in the local church? Praying for my church. Serving my church. 
with the gifts, the talents, and the strength that God has provided. When you think about the strength and the talents and the gift that God has provided, you realize that there are those in our midst, those are part of our membership, part of the local body of Christ, whose bodies will not allow them to do the things they've done of yesteryear. They can no longer work hard. Some of them can no longer teach babies and children and work as Sunday school workers. Some of them have reached the age where they can't do the things they have done in the past. But God has brought up younger folks. Look around you. God has brought up younger people to be a part of our church fellowship, to come in right behind those who have set an example, those that have been here through the years and have stood the test of time and have given themselves, and they worked in the nursery, they taught the children, they taught the young people, they did the work around the church plant, they were here all of the time, always ministering and giving of their tithes and offerings all through their lives. And even now in their years of drawing that pension or their Social Security retirement, whatever, they're still giving their tithes and offerings as a part of this church. They walk in unity, and we're to walk in unity. And I say they as though I'm not part of the older bunch. We are as a church to walk in one accord doing the work of the ministry. Always there for each other. Always willing to go the second mile. Always willing to, to give of ourselves so that others may, may be ministered unto. Unity means being in one accord. I just shortened it to unity. Means that much gets accomplished. You just saw that in the verses that I just read. Their togetherness God used for the accomplishment of growing the church, for the accomplishment of ministry being fulfilled. As individuals, the church could have been stomped out, but God's way is through unity in the local church, that together we stand for what is right Together we stand on the authority of the Scriptures. Together we stand in doing the work of ministry. Together we stand on truth and against that which is evil. Together the church stands as a body of believers, and through that stand, numbers matter. That we can accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. God's way is always through togetherness, through unity, through doing my part. An assembled church always has more strength than an individual church, an individual does. God intended it that way. That's the reason the Word of God stresses the importance of the church and to assemble on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, that the church is to assemble as it's, the word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But when disharmony and division come, there's a crippling effect. When there's an absence from being together, 
and there are great obstacles in the community and in the world in which we live. The mission of the church is hindered and souls are not reached and ministry is not accomplished. I once pastored a church. Matter of fact, it was my first church that I pastored. Green as I could be. Thinking I knew more than I did. You know what I'm talking about. Just, just thinking that I was God's gift to that church. Well, they let me know pretty quickly that they were God's gift to me. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Without that paycheck, pastor, you couldn't even feed your family. Yes, sir, I understand that. But I had a fellow in that church that just was against everything. You ever known anybody like that? I mean, just, just against everything. It didn't matter what business was brought before the church at a business meeting. He was against it. He would speak out against it. And though the church would vote overwhelmingly, if not some, most of the time unanimously against him, and he alone would be the one that was negative, and his poor little wife would sit there and just say nothing and shake her head. And we would vote to do it, and we'd just go right on with it, and he would just, he would just fuss, and then he'd get out and in the community would talk about his church, about how bad we were, and how we were doing dumb things that he didn't think we ought to be doing. And the, and the community is experiencing the goodness of it all. The community sees what's being accomplished there. And so they quit listening to him. But I'm telling you what, I understood what my grandfather was saying to me behind that mule. A pulling mule can't kick. And if I could have ever gotten that old man to start pulling with the rest of us, no telling what we would have accomplished in that first church I pastored. What we did accomplish is we baptized over 100 people in one year. What we did accomplish was see a youth group when they didn't even have any youth grow to 50 and 60 young people. What we did see happen is a, every, every building got remodeled and a new building was built. What we did see is God raise the funds in order for all that to take place. And, and we saw God work. And, and finally, that old man, I went back there to do a funeral. And I, some, I hope nobody knows who I'm talking about. But I went back there years later to do the funeral. And that old man came out to that funeral. And there he was sitting on the front pew as a pallbearer. And I was sitting up on the platform and I looked out there and I thought, Lord God, I thought I was clean of him. But there he sat. He's one that just could look at you like, I don't like you. Went out to the cemetery, did the graveside service. And in that day, which is still most of the time customary, 
the funeral director would have all the pallbearers line up on the back side of the casket and face the family. And the pastor, when he got through with his part and had the closing prayer, go through and shake hands with all the family members and love them and, and greet them and, you know, all of them. And then the pastor was to go around behind the casket and walk past every pallbearer and shake his hand and tell him thank you for serving today. I got through. I met the fa- greeted the family. I went around to go shake the pallbearer's hands, and he was the one on the opposite end. I found myself not praying but close to it that he had leave before I got there. But I got there, and I reached my hand out to shake his hand. And he threw both arms around my neck and fell on my shoulder and began to weep. He says, Pastor, I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. I'm so sorry for how mean I've been in this church, that I've held this church back for years. Would you forgive me? I said, oh, yes, sir. Long since been forgiven. He says, I've already told the church. and They've forgiven me. I knew nothing of this. And he says, you know what? This church is doing good. I says, yes, sir. This church will do good. And I'm so thankful that where you are today. A pulling horse can't kick. But one that's pulling is getting the work done. Are you pulling? Are you doing your part? Are you serving where you ought to be serving? Are you giving of yourself to the work of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Dowrated Baptist Church as God's placed you here? Oh, I'm not talking to those who are not able to do what they used to do. I'm not downplaying where you are today at all. And I really don't know who I'm talking to. I'm just preaching the word. That the early church understood the importance of doing their part, walking together, serving together, and they saw the miracles of God doing through the group, the church, what no one could do by themselves. The second thing is you, when you work in unity and walk in unity, no one gets the credit for anything that's done but all the glory goes to Jesus. All the worship, all the praise, all the glory, all the work is accomplished through the Lord Jesus. Acts 2.47 says, And the Lord added to the church those who are being saved. The Holy Spirit works 
in the life of the individual believer and in the life of each family, that the church family may walk together faithfully and ministry can be accomplished. Unity means every member is viewed by other members as important to the body. You know, I cannot tell you the number of times through my years in pastoring that I've had the what considered themselves the lesser of the membership of the body to say to me, I'm just, I'm just nobody, preacher. I, I don't know what I can do. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here. I've seen God take somebody that was of that opinion of themselves and that they're of no value and no worth and cannot do any ministry. And when put in the position and be a part of a ministry team or a part of something that's going on in ministry in the church, see God do through them and in them what they never thought. You may be just that individual. You can't imagine yourself being someone who's useful. Someone who's talented or gifted or able to give leadership and do ministry. But God knows what you can do. He knows what he's equipped you to do. He knows what he's called you to do. And listen to me. He knows why he's placed you in the membership of the body of Dalrida Baptist Church to be accomplished by you. Nobody else can do what God's placed you here to do. Nobody. And when the members of the body do not do as God has placed them in the body to perform, the whole body perishes. Everybody's important. Church is not a place for people to get hurt. It's not a place for them to be wounded. It is a place for them to be loved, understood, loved on, cared about, and a place for them to be encouraged to give of themselves in the ministry of the church. Forgiving someone is the greatest liberation that you can ever know apart from your own forgiveness in Christ. Listen to me. There is not a person in any church anywhere who has not been a 
are hurt in some way or another through the years. Someone just hurt your feelings. Someone just didn't understand what you were walking through and said something that you considered so callous and cold and hurtful. And they didn't even know they did. Satan wants to use that in your life for it to be a reason or your excuse for not being an active part of the ministry of the local body of believers. Don't let him have the victory. Don't let him win a battle in your life. Don't let him stamp out your abilities to please the Father and serve the Son and what He's called you to do. You walk on. For forgiving someone who has hurt you, someone who has talked down to you, someone who has offended you, is the greatest liberation you will ever know apart from the forgiveness that you received in Christ, just saying, I'm going to just let it, I'm just not going to let this get in my way anymore. I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm not going to carry those hurt feelings anymore. I'm not going to let Satan have a victory in my life and take away my joy and my service to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just not going to have it. I forgive them. I forget that. I'm going to press on and see what God will do in your own heart and life and the joy that will come. As we allow him to do in and through us, what he desires to accomplish through our united, united obedience, he is glorified in our lives and in the church. And souls will be drawn to Jesus. And then we can say the words of the old song. It is no secret what God can do. That's exactly what the ministry team approach is all about. You may remember the church in the past, and I finished with this. The church in the past had more committees than you could name them all. There was a com- committee for everything. I don't know. There might have been a committee to tell folks where they had to sit in the church. There's a committee for everything. You know what committees do? They meet and talk and then do nothing. So we realized there were some committees that were very needed in our church. We have five committees today where we used to have about 30 committees. Five committees. Everything else in this church is to be done by ministry teams. By teams that build and and, and, and are, are formed as we get leadership. And one of our committees is a nominating committee 
and they asked people to take the leadership role of a ministry team. And they agree to do that. And how does that ministry team form? How, how do people get on that ministry team? They volunteer to it at, for it at a ministry fair that we're going to have two weeks from today. And they go through that ministry fair and they see all of the ministries. And some of you would just go, are going to be blown over to be reminded of all the ministries we have in this church that we need people to volunteer to be on that ministry team. And ministry teams don't meet but once or twice, but they work all year long. Ministry teams don't bring any business before the church. They do the business of the church. You're going to have the opportunity two weeks from today to go through the ministry fair and just to tell those ministry team leaders, you know, I think I probably need to talk to you about being on your ministry team. I think this is something I could do. I'm... I don't have a whole lot of time, but I, I think I could handle this. This doesn't happen, but what, once a year? No, our minister team, we just have to do something once a year. Wow. I'll give you an example. Fall festival ministry team, once a year. Once a year. Vacation Bible school ministry team, once a year. Now, there's a lot of work to get up to it. I know that. I'm not taking away from that, Ashley. I know you have some work for you. But the ones that teach and, and are part of it, it just takes place in June every year. The rest of you, you have fulfilled your obligation and responsibility as a part of that ministry team. And when we fulfill the responsibility and give of ourselves, the ministries of the church, are accomplished and the church is healthy and lives are touched and souls are saved and families are reached and the church grows astronomically when we do the work of the ministry. You say, well, God's not given me any gift or talent. Oh, really? So you agree with, disagree with the scripture then? That he's given some these gifts, these gifts, these gifts, all for the work of the ministry and for the edification of the church. Hey, you have a ministry. You have a gift. You're able. The question is, are we going to do it? I hope you will. Do your part. I'm not asking you to do everything. God's not asking you to do everything. Just do what he's equipped you to do. Be in ministry. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the truth of your word. Sometimes we don't necessarily want to hear what it says, but we know it's for our good, for your will to be accomplished in our lives. 
So, Lord, we ask you to take the things we've talked about today, and the church being in one accord and unity and working together and you adding to the church, and you using people to work in ministry. Lord, may we apply it in our own lives. May ours be an act of surrender. Our will to your will. Our way to your way. That together we may minister in ways we never thought possible. Reach people we never thought were reachable. And grow this church bigger and stronger than it's ever been before. Lord God, we ask you to do that in this church, in our lives, to the glory of Jesus. It's in his name we pray.